0: Welcome to the Rappaport Diamond Podcast, and now your
1: host, Joshua Friedman. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Rappaport Diamond Podcast. I'm Joshua Friedman, news editor at Rappaport, and this is a very special episode because it's episode number 100. In honor of that, we are going to have a special discussion about what has happened in and to the Rappaport Diamond Podcast over the years, I'm very pleased to say that I'm joined by Sonia Esther soltani Rapport's Editor-in-Chief. Hi and welcome, Sonia.
2: Hi, Joshua. And congrats on our 100th podcast.
1: Indeed. There's a lot to celebrate. And uh, also by Lea Merovich, our senior news reporter. Welcome, Leia.
3: Thanks, Joshua. Well, good to be here.
1: It's great to be here. Over the years, we've had 99 episodes, of course, this being number 100. So in true Rapport style, I thought we'd start off with a quick quiz there's going to be three questions question number one the first episode of the Rappaport Diamond podcast was it in December 2015 December 2016 or December 2017 the first one to shout the answer gets the point
3: 2017 I was there yeah 2017 right. I think I think you get
1: half a point each you get half a point each there so one put the hand up first one said the answer first yeah you said okay. the one to okay. shout
3: it out she put her hand up I shout <laughs> sorry oh, okay.
1: Okay, that one was called Holiday Cheer. We spoke about the holiday season back in December 2017. Marketing campaigns, we interviewed Sally Morrison, the well-known marketing expert at De Beers. Okay, question number two. Before the Rappaport Diamond podcast it was called the Rappaport Diamond podcast, for the very first episode, what was the name of the podcast? Sonia? In the loop? It was indeed in the loop. Well done.
2: That's what happens if you've been at Rappaport since December 2017.
1: <laughs> A fantastic pun on the famous instrument that diamond dealers use. Final question. I think we have Sonia's on one and a half points and Leia's on half a point. So this is your chance to win now, a chance to catch up. How many times has the Rappaport Diamond podcast been listened to since it launched? And this is a total, not unique. Now, you don't have to get the exact number. I'll give you a clue. It's in the tens of thousands. And the one who gets the closest gets the point. Leia, do you want to take your guess? Uh, 11,927.
2: Sonia? Hold on, hold on. Let me think, because we have 99 episodes. I tried to do the math knowing how many listeners we have. 12,600.
1: We're talking about a total of all 99 episodes added together, including people who listen to, to multiple episodes accounted counted double. The answer is, in fact, eighty-one thousand seven hundred. I think Sonia edges it. I think Sonia wins by about a thousand.
3: Oh, I gave it to her. Come on.
1: I think Sonia wins was it?
2: In true purple style, the other two take the credit. <laughs> <laughs>
1: very, good. very good
2: but let's go back to the number here can you say it again joshua just so we're completely blown away by that
1: total downloads which is total number of views so to speak of the podcast was eighty-one thousand seven hundred. that's a combined number and unique views was forty-one thousand two hundred. wow
2: so thank you so much to all our listeners because i think we've really built like loyal listeners over the years and that's really to tell them thank you thanks for know, for your loyalty. Thanks for the feedback. We've received a lot of interaction since we started this podcast, but the amount is really impressive. So I think, you know, well done us, really.
1: I echo those things. And it's really the, the podcast changed a lot since we started this thing, because at the beginning, we had quite long episodes with many parts. So we had group discussions, we had interviews with people, and then we even had a few monologues I remember Avi Kravitz doing a few kind of statements where he explained his opinion on certain things. But, you know, it was a bit more like maybe a traditional radio show. It wasn't bad. I think it it worked in some ways. But I think we realized over time that it made sense to try and separate these different genres. So we switched to more either one-on-one interviews that lasted the whole episodes for about half an hour and then separate group discussions about whatever was going on in the diamond world and also another thing i noticed that has changed since december 2017 is that we're not alone anymore at uh, the time when we launched there was maybe one other diamond or jewelry podcast but now there's quite a few jck has got one the plum club has got one paul Ziniski analyst has got one and our very own Avi kravitz has also got his own one so it's really taken off this idea sonia what do you feel has changed about the let's start with our podcast what, what do you feel has changed over the years
2: I feel like, you know, people wanted to explore the new medium. It was, you know, for us, John Costello was the publisher at the time, was really into podcasts. He used to go every day at lunchtime, walking for an hour, listening to podcasts. He was a huge consumer and we were not, you know, there were tons of podcasts already. It's not like we invented podcasts in any possible way in 2017. It was already a thriving scene when we started, but being the diamond industry, you know, the diamond industry not being so much digital, so much on social media. So, you know, our podcast was the first. And I think people just so it's such a really nice, direct way to engage with your audience. People are on the go. People listen to things on their commute. It felt like the format was right. You don't need so much production. We're very lucky we have a producer on this podcast, but we know at the moment, for example, we're all recording from home. You know, We don't go to a studio anymore. So I think for a lot of people, you, know, you could interview anyone you wanted in the world just with your laptop, your application, and you could then distribute it to the world. So I can see the appeal of a podcast for a lot of people. And I think a voice, and people are always looking for authenticity. They're looking for a personal voice. So, you know, when you mentioned Paul's podcast or Avi's new podcast, our podcast as well, I think people interact with us as personalities in different ways than, you know, just reading an article with a byline that sometimes get missed because it's a news item and you just read a lot. But with a podcast, you know people's voice and you let them into your daily life. So I think there's a lot of charm to a podcast.
1: I agree. I agree. Leah, you've done some great podcasts. We're going to talk about one of them later. How do you see, how, how has the podcast changed for you over the months and years?
3: I think that, you know, the type of people that we're speaking to is different. I think we've got a wider variety of guests on so many different topics, people that are very unique and have an interesting viewpoint versus more of a, you know, a company line like we did in the beginning you know, we're talking to influencers and we're talking to dealers and auction people, things like that. So I think that what we cover now is more useful to the industry because it's touching a wider range of people.
1: Right. We've covered so many big events also on the podcast. If you think the whole COVID pandemic, we covered the COVID pandemic over five or more podcasts, and it was a great way of just finding out what was going on directly from people. And then obviously the you know, other big stories that have happened, the Russian war and all these things, it's really a great channel for that. But also the industry has changed. I mean, it's a bit of a cliche, but industry has changed in many different ways. Sonia, how would you say that the industry is different today in uh, recording this in November 2023 from December 2017 in one sentence?
2: Maybe I would say, um, I would say social media. You know, I, I think people have, people from the industry have started to have more and more a presence You know, some dealers suddenly that you never saw on social media, they're actually showing their face, they're explaining a bit more about what they do. It's the same, I think, with drawers, with retailers, you know, suddenly you had all these opportunities to create content. And its I think something very interesting is like, it feels like everyone can be a content creator, you know, it's just like everyone who has a story becomes a storyteller. And I feel like, you know, the podcast is part of this bigger move for people to be able to share their stories, which is the story of their store the story of their career, depending on what they do. But I feel like, you know, since 2017, a lot more people are using social media, maximizing the potential. And, you know, we're not going to list all the podcasts that have started, but I can tell you there are a lot of jewelry specific podcasts that have started since we started the Diamond Podcast. that are great, you know, if each individual has more opportunities, that also speaks to the jewelry market and the diamond dealers. You have a new generation that's using all this in a more efficient, attractive way.
1: And I also think often having having your voice out there on the podcast is also a good way of getting more news, so getting, getting contacts, getting when people know your voice. And in more recent episodes, we've been integrating video into it as well. It's a great way of kind of connecting with the industry and having them connect with you.
3: Yeah, I think that I've spoken to a lot more people than I would have spoken to before, and it's opened up new avenues for me, uh, just like when I do interviews for stories in the magazine as well, that often when you speak to somebody, a topic comes up that you may or may not have thought of that opens you up to new possibilities.
1: Right. So so we said we were going to talk about each talk about our favorite episode. For me, this is quite a hard task. I actually wanted to pick one of the team episodes. And there were some good ones. I think one of my favorites was the final one we did with Avi a few months ago. He was really the voice of the podcast for quite a while. And we asked him about his time at, at, at Rappaport, his views on the industry, Um, There was also a podcast I almost picked. We talked about NFTs. It was in January 2022. It was just as I think the NFT fad was at its peak. We haven't really heard much about NFTs recently, probably because a month later, something much more important started, which was the war in Ukraine. And that sort of dominated the news instead. But in the end, I decided to pick a geeky interview I did. But uh, to start with, Sonia, can you tell us about your favorite podcast?
2: so Joshua also I tell you something on a personal level I enjoyed our team podcast so much I think it's always you know it's lovely we get together we talk about what we love the most which is this industry and the news but I had to pick an episode not one that hosted myself but a topic that I think if you've listened to this podcast you know I'm kind of obsessed with which is Instagram <music>
0: I said to myself, you know what? I'm just gonna take a few pictures and video of those. I'm just gonna upload that on Instagram. I think I had maybe 20 people following me. And before I knew it, I had a few hundreds of followers and I thought to myself, what is going on? Why people are so excited about what I'm uploading? It's just pictures of diamonds. You know, it's like every one of us in the world think that his industry is so boring, right? But for other people, it's super interesting because it's not what they do on a daily basis. And the key point was when there was a guy actually from Los Angeles that commented on one of my pictures and said, oh, it's a beautiful oval stone. I'm actually looking for an oval ring to propose to my girlfriend. And I commented back on the actual post, and I said, here is my phone number. And he called me a few minutes later. And he said, you know, I also live in Los Angeles. Can I come to your office? I said, sure. One thing led to another, and they came to my office, looked at a few stones, picked one, left a deposit, and said, I'll come back in a month to pick up the ring. And when he left my office, I remember I sat with myself and I thought, oh my goodness, this is going to be the next big thing.
2: Um, So it had to be episode number 80, which is selling diamonds on Instagram. Sam is the founder of Ice Rock Diamonds, originally from Israel, based in the US. And it was just a great episode because I think it was inspirational. It was someone's story starting from scratch in the diamond industry. Sam is the first generation diamondaire and starting a business in a very innovative way, which is on social media. So how do you sell really expensive diamonds to people who've never seen the diamonds, who don't know who you are? You don't have a front store. You know, your father is not this diamondaire that everyone knows for years and has been business with. So I think Sam's story was really, really powerful. And I think also it was a new way of doing business and based on trust, on Essex as well, sourcing your diamonds, explaining education. So I really enjoyed this episode. Sam has a lot of chutzpah. He's also a really great presence on social media. I enjoy following him. So that was a really good episode. It was released, I think, in January 2023. So this year it is episode 80.
1: I think at that time, I didn't quite appreciate how possible it was to sell high-value jewelry on Instagram. I But it really is. You, you meet people from the industry and instead of showing you their website now, they show you their Instagram page. It's really a, it become a great way of selling. And Sonia, you, you continue to follow Sam on Instagram. Is there anything there that's caught your attention recently?
2: Yes, I think it's about creating an authentic personality and is sharing what's authentic to you. And that's why people trust you because, you know, you share your life, you share your trips, you share that you're hanging out with some people, you go to the shows, you go to the specific trips, you go to an Indian wedding. And, you know, when life it's also challenging or difficult or something touches you really personally. To share it to your audience, it seems like it's also something that makes you who you are. And um, because when we're recording this podcast at the moment, Israel is at war with Hamas in Gaza. And as I said, Sam is Israeli. So from the 7th of October, since the terrible attack that Israel experienced from Hamas, Sam has been sharing every single day about what's happening here. And I think it takes... Courage also to say, look, I'm going to use my platform to share something that is not glamorous, that uh, some people are going to lose business potentially because of the positions I take. Something that's extremely gruesome, a lot of it is gruesome, heartbreaking, gut-wrenching in the middle of a massive diamond, you know, like what? how does that fit? And ask asked Sam how he felt about it. And he told me he didn't think a second. It was the right thing to do because that's what was on his mind, that's his country, he felt so strongly about it and he didn't care about followers. He cared about sharing his story because that's what he's been doing since he's created this platform. So I think it's very a consistent view of how you use social media to show you true you. And Sam is, you know, a fun, loving, charming guy who loves showing beautiful diamonds, who loves showing parties, and but right now his reality is different. And his heart is in a different place. And he still shares the diamonds. And he still shares, you know, when he meets other people from the industry. He shared, he was in Gem Genève recently. So he shared that. He shared his trip to London. And I love this way of being present on social media. You don't brush certain things away because, and also it's too big. You know, he said he just didn't think twice. He really had to speak up and become suddenly an advocate for Israel and what's happening here. So kolakavod to Sam Carmel. That's my message to him.
1: It's hard to follow that. But I mentioned before that it was a hard task for me to pick my favorite episode. One of the things that made it especially hard was there was an extremely gripping episode, which Leo is going to talk about now, in which she interviews a reformed thief. Do you want to tell us about that episode?
3: Yeah, actually, Sonia was talking about Sam having chutzpah or a nerve. I'll tell you that Brian Sobolowski is the king of chutzpah. <music>
4: No, it was never worth it, ever. But some takes were definitely better than others, which should have led us to believe that, you know, we should have stopped. But Dad always thought there was another Burlington out there. He's like, one more Burlington and we're fine.
3: Okay, so let's just put it out there now. When you say you would do it again, you don't mean you would actually do it again. We don't want you to get in trouble.
4: I don't jaywalk anymore. Are you kidding me? If a cop comes up to me, I have an anxiety attack. I start throwing licenses at him. I want nothing to do with... Listen, prison is hard enough. I did three years, which is minuscule considering what I did, but they only could prove one robbery that I was involved in. Three years in prison, I would do that over the stigma of being an ex-con in this country. It has been very limiting and so much of a source of a continuation. Listen, I'm not complaining now. I'm not gonna sit here and complain to anybody. I I made my bed and I've laid in it. The stigma has been just a monster. So my attitude towards that is just tell everybody. Just tell everybody and get it out there so I never have to explain it to somebody that I should have told. You know what I mean? So in my opinion, I'd just rather just, hey, I'd wear a shirt right now that says, hey, I'm an ex-con, deal with it.
3: and his story was one that just, I'll tell you, not only did it shock me, but Vanina, who's in charge of our podcast, was listening in, and her mouth was practically on the floor the entire time because there was just, I felt like I was dropped in the middle of a crime novel. It was so enthralling, and I just really enjoyed it. Um, It was a more recent episode, number 96, But um, I think that his story of a crime spree robbing jewelry stores and where that took him and how he found redemption to me was just gripping.
1: Right. I mean, some of the stories you told were really, really incredible. How did you you come across him in the first place, Leah?
3: Um, Actually, it's a funny story. I didn't know who he was. And I had interviewed another jewelry store robber for a magazine article. Oh, maybe four years ago. And I was looking for him in order to do the podcast. And I wrote to him, he wrote back to me, and then I didn't hear from him after that. And I said, well, I wonder if there's anybody else out there like that. And I just started looking around and there he popped up and I thought, I don't know, maybe he's not going to be such a good person to talk to. But I reached out to him anyway. And he was boy he could tell a story um you know the things he told about how he ended up in this robbery ring with his father his brother and whoever happened to be his father's girlfriend at the time and the number of stores they robbed how they did it what they got away with how he got caught the whole story it's really it could be a movie and i want to be a producer by the way
2: does he have his own podcast as well did I dream that?
3: He does have his own podcast. It's called The Family Jewels.
2: So, first listen to Leah's episode and then to The Family Jewels.
3: Correct. Actually, it's interesting. He talks about how uh, his father pulled them into this jewelry ring when they, his father had a friend who was actually like a salesman in the jewelry industry. And he knew how to get past the security on all these stores. And the idea sprung from there. And when he was 18, and came home for Christmas, his freshman year in college, his father said to him and his brother, by the way, this guy cheated us. He's a jewelry store guy and I invested with him. And he told me I didn't invest and, you know, the money's gone and now I don't have anything. And he said back in the day, he grew up on the rough side of Boston. And his father said, Yeah, let's go work him over a little bit. And that was just a normal thing to do. Somebody wrongs you, you go beat them up. So him and his brother and his father went, found the guy in his house, you know, beat him up, stole all his jewelry and, His tale of how he got caught is actually even more interesting.
1: But did you, did you ever feel sort of uncomfortable? interviewing someone who'd done all that?
3: Actually, I didn't. First of all, it was my second interview of this kind. But I think I like to hear a story of redemption. And had he still been continuing, maybe I would have felt uncomfortable about it. Because, you know, I know it was hard for the people that experienced the loss. But I think that since he got caught, he has been working to do a lot of good. And he actually consults for free with a lot of the FBI and and different police. And he helps to impart knowledge of how he committed the crimes, the types of things that he's looking for and that other people like him would be looking for, and tries to help jurors make their stores more robbery-proof. So I found it actually heartwarming that he's turned his life around in that way and that he's trying to correct the wrongs that he committed.
1: Right, he did give some good advice on how to prevent robberies. But the podcast that I chose was, I mentioned before, it was a bit geeky. It was an interview with Thomas Heinstrang. It was podcast number, episode number 92, a few months ago. And so Thomas is the co-founder of GGTL Laboratories, which is a Swiss gem lab. And I always like a podcast that creates a news story.
5: The treatment of green diamonds is the oldest treatment out there, besides coating. You have the coating of pavilions, which is the first one ever done, So, but that's not a stable treatment. So irradiation is the actual first stable color treatment ever done to diamonds. And even though it's the first treatment, which means it's known since about 1910, 1915, we're still having huge problems identifying the irradiation because naturally irradiated diamonds basically get their color from the same effect as artificially irradiated diamonds. So it causes an enormous headache to labs since a long time. And today's status is unfortunately that there is very, 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 very few labs that even dare to give an origin on such stones. So normally when you submit a green diamond to any lab except few, You will get undetermined, they just don't dare to even claim that a stone might be natural or not. The unfortunate situation that the market is in at the moment is that a lot or let's say quite a bit of stones that have been certified as natural, not too far away past, have been recertified by the same lab in recent years and came back as not natural anymore. You know, They basically changed from a natural origin to undetermined or even treated, which has Created quite a bit of unhappiness in the market, as you may imagine, because some of the stones involved are really high dollar. Right.
1: When you say they were originally graded in the not too recent past, how long ago would that be typically?
5: In the in 2000. 10, 2014, 15, 16, up to 18 even. Stones that have been sent back in the 20s, the 2020s to 2023s came back as they were originally natural color and then came back as undetermined. Or even treated
1: mm. and they were routinely sent to a lab for another check
5: yeah just send it back as an upgrade that's what often is required if you have a stone on stock for a long time when people require an upgrade certificate. It's, it's like st- standard thing but i mean the unhappy situation that you're going to get a a contrary result of what you originally had uh, you know <laughs>
1: It was um, an interesting interview with him. I certainly enjoyed it very much. And it was a, just at the time, actually, where there was a lot of discussion about many issues in, in grading going on in the market, about digital certificates, um, and also about whether it was possible to use technology to trace diamonds through the supply chain. So that, that's my pick. But as I said before, it's a difficult choice to make. To conclude, um, we we said we were going to, I think let's maybe have a, a look forward to the podcast of the future. I don't mean flying cars and robots and stuff, but uh, what 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 would we what would we like from the podcast in the future? Leah, can you tell me who would be your dream guest on the Rapaport Diamond Podcast?
3: It is so hard to pick. There are so many great people in the industry and so many fields that I'd like to speak to. I think that. One person that interests me that I'd really like to speak to, and I think I will reach out to in the future, is Hao Yu, who is the deputy chairman for jewelry of Sotheby's in Asia. And the reason I'd like to speak to him is because he always has some really great insight on the industry. He's really well-spoken, charismatic, and he talks about a lot of big, pretty colored diamonds, which I enjoy myself personally
1: a good choice. Sonia, who would you bring on the podcast?
2: So I have one big regret that I can share on this podcast now. There was someone that I really wanted to have on this podcast. We spoke, we were on the phone, and unfortunately, for personal reasons on both sides, it didn't happen at the time. And this person is no longer alive, but it would have been my dream podcast interview is Gabby uh, Toskowski. Big personality, wonderful storyteller, and everyone who knew him just loved him. So that would have been really my dream podcast. So that's the big regret from this 100th episode that is not part of it especially because we, I had a mutual friend who tried to set it up for us. So that's uh, that's my regret. So the next person I would love to have on this podcast is someone who's um, a diamond expert, who's been in the industry for a long, long time, who's also a storyteller, and I'm not going to give his name. We'll see very soon. That will be um, someone who I interviewed back in JCK a few years ago. He was on a panel I hosted, and when he spoke, Everyone got quiet and everybody was enthralled by his passion for diamonds. And he told us amazing stories. And he was this quiet gentleman. Nobody knew how he was going to interact on his panel, but as soon as he spoke, that was just magical. So we'll hopefully have him very soon on this podcast. That's it. Not jinxing it.
1: Very good. I'm excited about that. I was thinking about this before as well. And I, the biggest thing going on in the industry at the moment is the Russian diamond sanctions. So I, would like to get someone who's got the inside line on that. US Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, but I think he might be a bit busy for us. So it's been really wonderful. I've enjoyed all, well, previously 99 and now 100 episodes. So it's and uh, it's really been a rollercoaster a few years. So uh, I'd like to thank uh, Sonia for joining us on this podcast. Thank you, Sonia.
2: Thanks, Joshua. And I would like to thank our producer extraordinaire that wasn't with us since 2017, Vanina Pickholt, who has been producing with us for two years, so been more than two years now. And when Vanina was recruited, she, um, she was recruited as an editor assistant, and she mentioned That she also produced podcasts she's an expert in podcasts back in argentina also in israel and we thought oh, that would be nice to you know as a side project for vanina but she became like it didn't become a side project she's a a full-time producer and she's done an amazing job on, on the past 50 episodes already so big 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 applause to to vanina for putting up with us with everything we do wrong on podcast recording i
1: definitely agree with that uh, and Leo, it's been uh, great to have you on this episode.
3: Thanks. It's been great to be here. And just to say a big thanks also to Vanina for making me look good when I've done the podcast when I didn't think I was going to. And Sonia and Joshua and Avi as well for teaching me so much because throughout these podcasts, I have learned so much and I have learned to overcome a fear of talking in front of people. So thank you very much. It's trial by fire and I've survived.
1: Indeed. And we've got to remember also our very own David Ehrlich was also the presenter of many of the earlier episodes. He was probably the original voice of this podcast, in fact. So a shout out to David. Thanks, everyone. It's been a pleasure. And looking forward to the next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Rappaport Diamond Podcast. For more discussions, news and analysis about the diamond industry, visit us at rappaport.com. Follow Rappaport Group on Instagram and follow Rappaport on Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn and don't forget to subscribe to get future episodes.